the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 489-88. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is the conclusion to a broadcast we started on Friday entitled Mother Grace. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. Remember, you can always download the entire broadcast to avoid interruption at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page. Let's get underway with Mother Grace. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. There are people in life who need a double portion of the cross of Christ before they can be healed. Now, my Aunt Mary Ann is a great southern cook. How many of you like southern cooking? How many of you are northerners, like northern cooking? Okay, I've got a few northerners here. And I'm not putting you down, but I grew up in the south, so let me focus on my roots here a little bit. I'm actually slipping into a southern accent as I'm thinking about it. My Aunt Mary Ann... She's the one who taught me the expression, dear heart, because she would bring us over for Thanksgiving. We grew up in poverty. She knew that the only chance we had to have a real break was to come to her house, and she would cook fried chicken. She cooked mashed potatoes with that unhealthy gravy on the top. I'm a vegetarian, to be very frank with you, but she could cook chicken. I sure wish that vegetarians could cook that veggie stuff as good as she could cook that fried chicken because it was something else. And she put it in that frying pan and there'd be lots of it on the table and she let the kids come to the table. In Southern culture, you're supposed to let the adults go first, but she let us come there. And I remember as we would take our plate, she said, Dear heart, do you have enough on that plate? Here, let me give you a double portion. And she just put as much food on the plate as you could. Of course, we leave smiling because we had this double portion of Aunt Mary Ann's grace. Well, when you come to church, when you come to Christ, when you come to God, and you're wondering if there's enough of God for you in your life, friend, God is like my Aunt Mary Ann. He takes everything that He has and He says, let me give you a double portion until you're full. You have grace that is abounding in your life till your needs are met, till joy, love, and peace replace the old obstacles of fear, of guilt and depression. Let me give you that. It is not God's will that you should be satisfied with anything less than a double measure on the plate that comes from God. Penina represents the self-righteous church member who persecutes the woman who needs a double measure of grace. 1 Samuel 1.6 Her rival however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord. She would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Year after year, Hannah ate the lamb. Year after year, she took a double measure of the sacrifice 
And year after year, her rival would mock and ridicule her for taking twice as much as everyone else. Penina's words are the words that every legalist levels against every sinner who comes to God for a double measure of mercy in the church. As a rule, the self-righteous persecute the people of God who come to feed on Jesus, the people of God who seek the righteousness of God, who need grace in their life. Penina's objection is archetypical. It is a timeless protest against grace. It is eloquent in every age, but it is wrong nonetheless because it is not the truth that the hurting heart needs. You only come to church, Hannah, she said, for what you can get. You only come to church for that double portion, Hannah. You only come to church to take. You only come to church, Hannah, to seek mercy. You only come to church to hide from the kind of person you know you really are. Verse 7 sadly reads, Penina would provoke Hannah so she would not eat. Now, ask yourself the question, have you in your life provoked someone in the church so they would not eat? Have you made yourself an obstacle to someone who needs the tender, compassionate words of God for mercy and grace? So one day she did the predictable. She set the sacrifice aside. One day she said, I have had enough of religion, God and church. I'm not going to eat. Weeping overcame her pursuit of God. One day her personal pain, her public persecution and problem became too much to ponder in private and to parade in public. And she was overcome with the redundancy of it all. There are people who come to church and they hear the words of the self-righteous critic and they leave church without food. And verse 8, Elkanah represents the attitude of Jesus Christ. He stands in direct contrast to his wife, Penina. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Now, friend, if you've come to church and some church members hurt your feelings, is not Jesus better to you than all of that? Is not the grace of God that comes through Him much more than anything that anyone can say to you or against you? I believe that our loving God in the gift of Jesus has overwhelmed any sorrow that can keep you away from God, that can prevent your steps moving forward in faith. Elkanah sounds a lot like Jesus Christ when He comforted Mary at the tomb on resurrection morning. John twenty fifteen, Jesus said to Mary, Woman, why are you weeping? Just like Elkanah. The turning point in Hannah's sorrow comes in verse 9 when she takes the sacrifice and eats it anyway. I mean, there comes a time in life when you need to say it doesn't matter what a church member says. It doesn't matter what the preacher says. It doesn't matter whether the church has been good to me or not. I'm going to take Jesus Christ. I'm going to take the sacrifice of the cross I'm going to apply it to my life no matter what anyone says to me. She stops listening to Penina and starts listening to God. She quits focusing on the objection of her critics and starts focusing on the cure for her sickness. She takes the double portion of grace because she really needs the double portion of grace and she seeks the face of God for grace. 1 Samuel 1.9 Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. 
you know, it's okay to pray that way. I mean, sometimes you think, well, you know, I pray, I need to have my act together. I mean, have a good attitude. You know, if you have joy in your heart, pray with joy to God. If you have sadness in your heart, take it to God and pray in the sadness of your heart with weeping and bitterness too. What matters is going to God. Staying away from God is not the answer. Going to God. That's what she's doing here. Up to this point, Hannah had kept her prayers to herself. She had silently suffered in her sorrow with a solid stance. She had quietly carried her rival's ridicule and calumny. She had painfully pondered her personal perplexity. And suddenly she falls on her knees. And she loses it before the loving God who finds the lost on their knees. Her prayer is recorded in verse 11. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. I know young boys today would like to say, Mom, I don't want a razor on my head either. My son fights a haircut every time. Is my son unique? No? He fights a haircut. Mom, I want to let my hair grow long. Well, that's not what's happening here. This is a symbol of his devotion to God as a Nazarite, a special man of God, she says. Hannah's prayer proffers three pleas for grace. First, she calls on God to look at her. I mean, sometimes you can get this feeling that God doesn't see you. Daniel said, cause your face to shine upon us. She says, Father God, look at me. Secondly, she calls on God to remember her. I mean, you can feel like God doesn't notice. Remember me. And then finally, she calls on God to not forget her. Now, she calls on God to remember her because she's been praying a long time. Remember those prayers. Remember my seeking after you. Remember I sought the double portion. Remember. But then it moves to the final point. She calls on God to not forget her, which is an intensification of point number two. In the first plea for grace, the call for God to look on her is the call for God to save her from her sins and her enemies. Psalms 25, 18, Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies for they are many and they hate me with violent hatred. That's the kind of prayer she's praying. In the second plea for grace, Hannah's call for God to remember the covenant he made with Abraham. I mean, she knew what that meant. She knew that that covenant meant fertility. It meant that his children would take over the earth. It meant that he would have children like the stars of heaven. She was a daughter of Abraham. Psalms 111.5 He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. Then Isaiah 59.21 And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit which is upon you, My words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your children or out of the mouth of your children's children, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. My son, as he's getting older, he does scary things. Dads get nervous as they move into their late teens and early 20s. He says, Dad, I'm going with some friends. We're going to be going down into a cave 150 feet on rope. I'd say, great. 
And he told me about how he went to Georgia and he found this cave with bugs. They went in the night and they scaled all the way down this hole. The only place on earth where they have glow-in-the-dark worms that are all around the cave. He says it's like the stars in a midnight sky. Dad, nothing like it. I said, son, what are you doing to me? I didn't send you to the college to get killed. And so he called me, told me he was going to go doing it again somewhere else. I said, don't break your father's heart. Be easy with this thing. So I prayed for him. His friends were snickering in the background. I mean, being a father is nervous business. But when you get older, it doesn't get easier. I thought it would get easier. You know, they get more responsible. They hit their teens. They don't get more responsible until they get married. And a wife who will be a mother socializes the young man into the right perspective. That's what I'm kind of figuring out here. So in the Bible, children and covenant go together. And I'm grateful I have one. God promised Abraham that he would make him the father of many nations. And you know, when God makes a promise to make you a father or mother, he cares about the children in the promise. He's not just concerned about you. He's also concerned about those that will follow you. Hannah is asking God to make her the mother of a single son, just one who can make a difference in this mighty nation given to Abraham. A small piece of the blessing of Abraham for her empty life is all she wants. A small piece of Abraham's fruitfulness in her barren womb is all she's asking for. Remember me. As a barren mother, Hannah, in faith and tears, pleads with the living God to change her name from grace to mother grace. In the third plea for grace, Hannah's final call is the call for God to not forget. Unlike the first two calls, This call represents the call for a friendship that will never end. It represents the heart that turns to God and stays with God because God will not forget. It represents the person who longs to be in God's presence forever because God will not forget. It is the call for a relationship with God that cannot be severed by any circumstance or difficulty. Friend, to never forget is to never quit. It means to never reject. It means to never leave the sinner on the pathway to God's future. It is the language that describes a love link that is there like super glue and a salvation that is sure and true and a cure that is pure and permanent in life. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have graven you on the palms of my hand. What do those nail-pierced hands of Jesus really mean? What does it mean that His hands were pierced? According to this verse, it means He will never forget you. And when you stand on the sea of glass, when you find your way, into eternity and you shake a hand that is familiar yet alien and you realize it is the hand of Jesus and you feel the hole in the hand you will know that there is one who never forgot you and who will never forget you because you are graven on the palms of his hands first Samuel 113 the story continues as for Hannah she was speaking in her heart only her lips were moving but her voice was not heard God hears the thoughts of your mind. He knows the struggles of the heart that you can't share with anyone else. So Eli thought she was drunk. I mean, very perceptive pastor there, right? He really wasn't 
figuring it out very well. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, Think about that. She got ridiculed by her rival. Now the preacher goes after her. Her response, verse 15, But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. I don't know what that looked like, but it must have looked pretty awful. You ever see someone pray like that? I mean, everyone's looking at me like I'm the problem here. Well, we are all the problem. You ever come to church and you feel like just praying, just letting it all hang out? John Wesley, the great preacher of the Methodist revival in England, when he would preach, people would come from the prisons and they would come from the thoroughfares of life, from the poverty-stricken streets. And when they heard about the grace of God, they would fall down and they would go into these spasms. And when they would get out of it, they would feel the relief of God. It was an unusual experience in Christian history. It was somehow characteristic of the results of his preaching. And why did that happen? Because the people were so oppressed, they were so hardship-stricken, that when they let it out, it was a physical response to God. That's where Hannah's at. She is praying with that kind of earnestness. She's throwing herself on God and saying, Lord, I mean, maybe it sounded something like this. Ah! Have you ever prayed like that in your room and the neighbor hears it? You've never prayed like that in your room? You don't have to. But it could be your neighbor making that cry next door is praying to God. Who knows? But it got Eli's attention. Do not consider your maidservants a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Friend, God doesn't care how you pray as long as you do. As long as you take it to Him, as long as you open it up and give it to God. Hannah says, do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman. I have tasted the double measure of the sacrifice, she says, and I am not worthless to you. O God, I have called on the living God that you are to save me from my sins, and I am not worthless to you. I have called on God to remember His covenant to Abraham and grant me a single son who can make a difference in the nation of Abraham's numerous children. I am not worthless to you. I have called on God to not forget And because he hears the outcast and the afflicted, I am not worthless, O God. Eli said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition which you have made to him. May God make you mother grace, is what he's saying. Your life has been a plea for grace. May God turn you into mother grace. They arose, they worshipped before the Lord, and they went home. And before long, Hannah had a son crying in her arms, the arms of Mother Grace. She named her son Samuel, which literally means name of God, or it can be translated God is heard, depending on how you point the S in the Hebrew. Her son was a foretaste of the promise of Jesus, who is the ultimate son. When Hannah brought her son to the temple to give him the Lord, she prayed this prayer to God in the hearing of Penina. It's the basis of Mary's prayer to God in thanksgiving for having Jesus. Wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall when she prayed this prayer loudly that day? As her rival was there, who had mocked her all those years, she said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. 
My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides thee. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. And all the days of her life, Hannah never forgot the God who gave her the double portion at Penina's table. She never forgot the God who gave to her the dignity and the honor to become a mother in Israel. She never forgot that God is the God who had not forgotten her. And she never forgot the meaning of her name, Hannah, which means more than grace, mother grace. Now, one woman, like no other woman in modern times, has come to exemplify the principle of mother grace. Who is that? It's Mother Teresa, isn't it? I mean, we think of mother grace in our own time. It has to be Mother Teresa. She embraced her little in life, and she asked God to create a lot for others. After she died... It came to the understanding of many that she struggled with self-doubt for most of her life. She even struggled with a sense of God's acceptance in her life. And I don't think her religion helped her because it didn't teach her very well what the Bible teaches in terms of righteousness by faith. But she stuck in there with God anyway. And I know the Lord respects that in a person who hangs in there with the Lord to make a difference even when they don't have all the answers in their life. She stepped in the streets of the poor and pulverized, and she lifted them up as precious prizes for Jesus. She heard their cries orphans die in the street, and she made them her children in the name of the one who died for her. She smelled the stench of death, and she brought the sweet perfume of love and life. She felt the wounded hand of leprosy, and she wrapped it tight with fine linen, pure and bright. She touched the face of hunger and fed it until it was full. She put love where hate was at. She never married, and paradoxically, she never had a child of her own. I mean, think of the paradox of this. Mother Teresa never had a child. And yet she exemplifies in our time what it means to be Mother Grace. She never married, but she was the mother of so many children who have come into this world who owe their life to her. Mother Teresa's proof that you don't have to give birth to children of your own to be a mother in the highest sense And I speak to those mothers here today who don't have children. Maybe you have never been able to have a child. Maybe you have never married and will never marry. Dear heart, God loves you. And you are a mother in Israel. Why? Because the love that is in a mother's heart does not require that you have a child. It requires that you give the love of God that is in you to others to make a difference in your world. Mother Teresa was the mother grace of our time. She once said this, there is a terrible hunger for love. We all experience that in our lives, the pain, the loneliness. We must have the courage to recognize it. The poor you may have right in your own family. Find them. Love them. Put your love for them in living action. For in loving them, you are loving God himself.
It doesn't matter to God who is the life. Your calling is your calling and no one else's. There are plenty of children in the world to love in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them come to church and Sabbath school and they need someone besides their mom showing them the way. And maybe you are that person. There are so many people who need someone like you who will become for them Mother Grace. I came into this church and I came to Jesus Christ because the woman who became a mother in my life for so many years after the death of my father never had a son or daughter. Aline Halleck is for me Mother Grace. And I came to know Jesus through her. And I've learned that there are so many children that she has affected who have become ministers or teachers who have made a difference in the cause of God because she would not allow her circumstance to alter the love in her heart. She was a mother for so many of those dear souls. And I look forward to the resurrection when I will see her face to face and I will come to know Mother Grace in my own life. And may God grant you peace. How many of you are grateful for the mothers in our church? Raise your hand. Hi. Before we have our closing song, let me offer a prayer. Father God, for every mother here, for every heart that longs to be one, may the Spirit of God find them, reach out, and meet the need that love may flow through the hands and the heart that is open to you. And thank you for Hannah, Father, the ultimate example in Scripture of Mother Grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there you have it. That will conclude the message entitled Mother Grace with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Remember, you can listen to this entire broadcast without interruption at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page. Thanks for helping this ministry with a financial contribution. Those kinds of things help us to continue to bring you this broadcast here on this station. You can go to reachingyourheart.com. There's an option there to donate online. Or you can send your contribution to Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, we want you to know that we pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.